Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about Skybox Metal Universe, finally. And we're also going to talk about inflated box prices of new hockey cards that came out this year and cards that are coming out this fall and winter and and, and next year. So uh, I just want to really quick just say sorry that it's been a while since our last podcast. I got busy with some things. Tim got busy with some things. I did a card show late last month. It was not a great card show. There were not a lot of people who came to the card show to buy stuff. In fact, most of the stuff that I sold were two other dealers at the show who got bored, walked around, came to my table and said, oh, that's cool, and bought this. Or, oh, well, would you cut me a break if I bought all of these? And I'd be like, yeah, you know. And so that was, uh, you know, that was something that kind of kept me busy towards the end of October. And then another thing is that my girlfriend and I broke up, and that was kind of around the same time. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that every time I go through a breakup, as funny as it could be with a breakup, and I've never had, like, a divorce. Be a laugh track in the background. Though. Yeah, but, uh, I've never been divorced, although I was in a relationship for 12 years. Now, this past relationship was about 10 months. But what, what happens is almost every time I, I, I go through a breakup, then I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm wasting my time. Why am I messing around with hockey and these stupid cards and all these things, right? I kind of like push away from like the things that I like and just say, well, this is all stupid and inconsequential, right? And then I 180. And then I like double down. And you know, what was funny was like when I created the puck junk website and when I say created, like I actually built the site, this was before I converted it over to a blog where you just kind of design how the blog looks if you don't like the way the templates are. But like I actually coded the site because I was a web developer and that came after a breakup where I was just like, this is stupid. I don't care. Everything sucks. And then after a couple of days, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to build this damn hockey website. I'm going to call it Puck Junk, and I'm just going to blog about hockey cards and hockey collectibles. And you know what? Anything I want to hockey related. And that's kind of how that started. And then even starting this podcast, in a way, it wasn't over a breakup, but I was feeling kind of sad because I used to be a regular on an XM radio show called The War Room. And then that kind of stopped happening, and then I felt kind of sad about that. I'm like, well, I can still talk about cards. I don't need to be on a radio show to talk about hockey cards. I I could just do that myself with a friend, right? Yeah. So that's that's just the kind of interesting connection between breakups and and this uh, this podcast and this website. So for those of you wondering, it wasn't me that he broke up with. So we're still recording. So here we are. Do you remember when I asked you to do the podcast? What you said? Um. Hold my beer. I don't know. Something of that nature. You're you were definitely drinking. I texted okay. you. It was a Saturday night and I texted you. Gotta be you. more specific than that. <laughs> I texted you. It was a Saturday night, and I just said, we should do a podcast. I texted you and I said, we should do a podcast. You texted me back and you said, You mean like right now? And then I'm like, No, not right now. And then I texted you again and I said, Wait, have you been drinking? And you're like, and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what better time to drink than on the weekend. Yeah, oh, or, or any day ending in Y. Any day ending in day. So I want to talk uh, real quick. I just want to mention that uh, I'm going to be doing a couple of card shows coming up. I will be at the Chicago Sports Spectacular Friday, November 19th to Sunday, November 21st. So it's a three-day show. Uh, I will be there all three days. I will be setting up with a friend. Uh, he has a company called Vintage Graphs. He sells a lot of autograph memorabilia, but he also sells a lot of older hockey memorabilia. And I sell more kind of newer hockey memorabilia. So it's kind of a nice fit that I'm working uh-huh. with this uh, this acquaintance of mine who is also going to have hockey stuff. So we're just going to have like one big booth with both of our stuff. So that should be cool. It's not like charts that plot out like demographics like back in the 20s or 30s that he sells. You know, vintage, vintage graphs. graphs. No, not those kinds of graphs. Okay, no, okay. no, not those kind of graphs. No, just just wanted to be clear. Yeah, yeah. No graph paper was involved in 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 the making of this podcast. Do you remember the um, old graph paper from elementary school that if you folded it would crumble in part? I always hated no. that stuff. No, I don't remember that. It just oh. 
I went to broke. a poor school, so maybe it was just our school. What your paper just broke when you folded it? Yeah, it like crumbled apart. Like it was like almost like the paper was dry rotted. It was graph paper. Some elementary school graph paper with like big half inch grid pieces on them. I don't know. Now, I will tell you this in seventh grade, I took uh, a class called industrial arts, which I think my generation. I industrial arts. Yeah. Okay. So our generation. People was called like... it shop, but it was still industrial arts. It said industrial arts on our report cards. Well, but it wasn't shop. There were three components to this there was wood shop, there was mm-hmm. computers, computers. Oh, that was a different class for us. And and then there was drafting. But what was really messed up is that we had to make our own draft paper. Like the teacher literally had us take a piece of paper and draw lines on it horizontally and vertically. And then we like plotted. Sounds like busy work. Yeah, it was stupid. It was really stupid. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to talk about industrial arts. I'm going to talk about hockey cards. So (laughs) getting back to the shows, I'm doing the Chicago Sports Spectacular. And then I'm doing the Bridgeview card show and autograph signing Sunday, December 12th. And that will be in uh, the Chicago suburb of Bridgeview. It's a bit south of Chicago, uh, maybe about 40 minutes away from Chicago. That's going to also have autograph guests, hence the name. It's going to have a couple of ex-Chicago Bears and a couple of ex-White Sox. It should be a pretty cool show. So I will be at that. And uh, Tim, are you coming to either of those shows as a uh, as a buyer, one who buys things? Uh, as one who buys things, I am shooting to make an appearance at the spectacular show. Okay. Um, that is tentatively on the schedule right now. Mm-hmm. So we will see if that actually materializes or not. But uh, that's the plan. The Bridgeview show. Um, I've been tossing around the idea of possibly joining you on the other side of the table, but I don't know that that's going to happen this time around. Understandable. So. You've got a little bit of a head start on me on preparation for these things. And I'm still dealing with a debacle of my card garage from back when it flooded. So, oh, I yeah. Have that. And with all of my various heart surgeries that I'm collecting, I was out of commission for a while and I couldn't really clean anything up. So, we're slowly getting back on that horse. And I've, uh, been digging through boxes and things like that just to kind of bring the hobby back to the forefront of where it was right so. right okay so if you are coming to either of those shows definitely uh, let me know i mean even hit me up on twitter at puck junk and just be like hey looking for you where's your booth or whatever i mean i'll put that out on twitter once i know exactly where i am but yeah let me know i mean i'd love it if, if you listen to this podcast or you visit the site and then you're going to be at the Spectacular this weekend. Please stop by, say hello, look at the cards that I have for sale. I'm going to have a lot of uh, a lot of good hockey cards for sale, and of course my hockey T-shirts and uh, some other some other non-hockey memorabilia that I'm going to be moving. Just the Spectacular is probably... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Correct. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. And there's so, autograph guests Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yes, if I remember correctly. Tons like, of autograph guests at that show, like over 100 signers. Only one hockey guy now. Bernie Perrant dropped out because he had a surgery and he had to he had to drop out. So it's just Jerry Cheevers. Yeah, I saw that, which was unfortunate. But, you know, I thought for sure, you know, there'd be more, a little more of a selection now that they've started opening things back up mm-hmm. from Canada. But I think a lot of guys were uh, are probably autographed out after the expo. Yeah, the expo uh, looked really strong. I mean, it had that solid uh, lineup of guests. I unfortunately wasn't able to go, but everything that I've seen on social media seemed like overwhelmingly positive about that, which is great because we want to see, you know, people out there buying stuff, you know, keeping the hobby alive. I mean, you and I have both been to dead shows before. Heck, I was selling at a show that was pretty dead a couple weeks ago. But the point is, is when you have a lot of people. Hey, I was there. For a minute. You were there. <laughs> you were there, and you brought your uh, two boys with you. Yep, we made our way around there, and we actually bought something. We did buy something. Okay. But, uh, we found a guy that had a bunch of uh, Najee Harris rookie cards, so hmm. we snatched those up. Nice football guy for the Steelers. Yeah, figured. Yeah. Figured it was Steelers. Uh huh. So I want to talk about Skybox Metal Universe. 2021 Skybox Metal Universe. I finally finished my base set. 
I'm a few cards away from finishing the short print set. And I'm still about 20 cards away from getting all the retros. And that's really what I'm focusing on. So I like to talk about cards, new cards, like when I have enough of them in hand that I can formulate an opinion. And I believe I bought 16 blaster boxes. And we'll talk more. Well, now hold on. A blaster box has 35 cards. Okay, Mr. Math. You were a math teacher, right? No. Science teacher? Absolutely not. Nope. Guess again. History teacher? Yes. Okay. Shop teacher? Uh, No. You kind of look like a shop teacher. Did you say shop or chop? Because that's what it would be. It would be chopping my fingers off. (laughs) So if a blaster has five packs and each pack has seven cards, how many blaster boxes does Sal need to buy? To complete a 100-card base set. I'm sorry. What did you say now? A blaster box has five packs. A blaster box has five packs. Okay. Right. Yes, I follow. Each pack has seven cards. Okay. Okay, so that's 35. Uh Uh-huh. 100 cards in in the base set. Okay. Another 100 cards in the short print set. Okay. See where I'm going with this. Huh? How many short prints do you get in a box? Uh, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was four per box. I want to I mean it was like three or four per box, if I remember correctly. I took meticulous notes and then I lost them, so now I don't even remember. So let's say it's four. So you get thirty-one base cards and four short prints in every box. Yeah, but do you get thirty-one base cards? You know, come on, come well, on. We're, we're we're getting to that point. You're you're feeding this to me bits and pieces at a time. So. Let's get to where we're going on it. So we got short prints, we got base cards. What else is in each box? What's guaranteed? Uh, How many inserts? One per pack? One per every two packs? It felt like one per pack. There was one like, pack. okay, you know, because it seems, oh, there were the um, the blue parallels. Those Which, were one per pack okay. on the retail. There were the purple parallels, which were one per box. And then there was like Prospects, Intimidation Nation, Alliance, the Blue Prospect Parallels, Net Deposits. How many uh, of each of those inserts were in a box, would you say? I'd say that I felt like there was about, there were, I want to say there were about five blue cards and there were about five other inserts. So right there, there's like 10 inserts. So essentially you're only getting 13 base cards. It was 19 base cards. For some reason, I remember, I want to say it was like 19 base cards and then 16 non-base cards. Either all-star short prints, rookie short prints, any of the, uh, you know, net deposits or Intimidation Nation, and then the blue cards and a a, a purple card. Those are like almost one per box. So if you're only getting 19 base cards, in theory, you need six boxes. In theory. Theory. Yeah, well... That doesn't cover your short prints, though. Nope. Now, at the same time, a hobby box, when this came out in September, I know we're talking about this in November, but when this came out in September, hobby boxes at the time were selling for $350. you would get 15 packs. Each pack had seven cards. So that's what... So, so 105 cards. So... Uh, you spend three fifty, you get one hundred and five cards, or you spend ninety dollars on blasters, and you also get one hundred and five cards. Now, I know that you can get better cards in hobby boxes. That's why they're hobby boxes, right? You're going to get your one autograph per box. You're going to get your more limited inserts like the precious metal gems, PMGs that are like limited out of a hundred or out of 50. I guess the point is, is that if you want to build a set, like I wanted to build the set. So I figured if I spent $360, I'd get 12 blasters and I'd get like 400 ish cards. And as opposed to spending the same on a hobby box and getting a hundred cards and yeah, sure. There might be that one autograph or maybe I'll get a PMG McDavid or something and woohoo. Right maybe make back my 350 bucks but i don't want to think that way i want to build a set and so i did the same thing and i know we're going to segue into this when we talk about the inflated box prices 
but as far as this set went, what I kept doing is I kept buying the blasters at Target.com, limited to three at a time. I found four in a store and I bought them. And then a couple days later, I kept buying them on Target.com three at a time. And then I think once I purchased a total of 16 boxes, I said, ah, that's enough. Were they 30? Yeah, they were $29.99 plus tax. Are. I know Walmart's raised their prices on boxes, but I think the hockey ones are still the same price. I think the metal's still 29 You know, real quick, I want to say this before we talk about the specifics about the set. Why were the Skybox Metal Universe cards not sold in tins? Because they're metal? Come on! If you're going to put a set... Because it costs more for metal than it does for cardboard. (laughs) That's probably why. Hold on. And they're already 300-some bucks a box. No, 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 no. But retail tins. Sure. Upper Deck Series 1... Series 2, those were sold in retail tins. Or at least Series 2 was, because I found retail tins at Target for 30 bucks each, and then I bought some online. I bought a lot of Series 2 retail tins for $30 each, and I don't know why a Fleer Metal tin for $30, or Fleer Metal wasn't sold in a tin, because that would have made sense, because the set's called Metal, it should have come in a metal box. Seems like a missed opportunity is all I'm saying. I see what you're saying. You want to market a set called Metal? Put it in a metal freaking box, Upper Deck. Come on, it's not rocket science. I I follow you. I follow the logic. Seems like a mistake. Card companies don't make mistakes. (laughs) They make error cards. They don't make mistakes. Everything's done for a reason. So, 100 base cards, 100 short prints. 50 short prints are rookie cards. 50 short prints are all-star cards from the 2020 all-star game. So there are 44 players in all-star uniforms. And then they had to fill out the last six cards. So there were like duplicate cards like Shea Weber, all-star card, but he's wearing his Canadian sweater because we needed to fill out the last six cards and make them all-star cards. But when you only have 44 all-star players, who else can you make cards of to fill out that? I think they should have done, like, the results of each game as a card. That would have been kind of cool. Maybe, like, a team card or something. Okay, you could have done the two teams play against each other, the other two teams play against each other, and then you had the final showdown between the winners of the first game and the second game, so that's three. Then you could do a team photo, a team photo, and an MVP. There you go. Boom. It's not rocket science, Upper Deck! Come on, I just figured this out in 30 seconds. Uh, see we always have all the answers we do right i want to tell you a couple of things that annoyed me about metal universe and you know i've been looking forward to this set for like so long and like when i I both have yeah and when i walked into target and i saw four blaster boxes i'm like i'm buying them i'm doing it i'm totally doing it the first thing that i want to complain about well not the first thing the next thing is that the short prints came in the same batches of four. So, like, you'd open a pack and you'd get card number 101. You'd open another pack, you'd get card number 102. You'd open another pack, you'd get card 103. You'd open another one, you'd get card 104. Then if you opened another hobby box and you got card number 102, you knew that that hobby, or that other uh, blaster box, you knew that the next blaster box, the next pack was going to have 101, 103, or 104. They just, the sequencing... The sequencing on the short prints yeah. was terrible. Collation kind of sucked. You'd get four of them at a time. Or you might get, like, say, 198, 199, 200, and then 101. Or something like that, you know? You'd get four consecutive cards in a row. And they would be the same from box to box. If you, oh, I already got a uh, Kevin Lankin in then you knew that whatever three other guys that you got in that blaster box, you were going to get in the next blaster box if you pulled Kevin Lankin in again. So the collation, that was one problem that I had with the set. Another problem that I had was I really liked the retro design inserts. Those were like one per blaster, maybe a little less than one. I, I got almost one in every box, but not quite. I liked that design enough. I just wish they did that design. I like the Metal Universe set for what it is, 
but I don't like the design all that much. I like it, but if you look at a card, there's like a cosmic sky behind them, and I like that because it's colorful and it makes the player pop. But then they put that steel plate, that like diamond plate, behind the player to the left, and I don't like that because they also use that diamond plate across the bottom for the player's name, and I do like that. I feel like they could have done away with putting that metal plate in the background behind the player that just kind of cuts out like a kind of jaggedy cuts, but it doesn't even look like bent steel. It just looks like, I don't know. It just looks like not like twisted metal or not like burnt steel. Like, you know, like the steel wall behind them was like burnt down or crumbled or, or cut with a chainsaw. Right. It just kind of looks like, uh, somebody just went in Photoshop and took the lasso tool and made a little zigzag and boom, there you go. I see. I don't have any, so I haven't looked at one in person. Well, I mean, but you've seen pictures of them online, right? Probably. They're not terrible looking cards. They do look very 90s. But, yeah. you know, like that, I could have done without that that metal plate in the background. I don't mind the metal, the metallic look being used for like the back. I do like the retros, but the retros, they didn't get too ridiculous. They just put them in front of a cosmic backdrop, and you know what? That's okay. I get it. You can't have a player with cybernetic attachments like they did with Steve Eiserman, or you can't have, like, a player in the middle of a nucleus like they did with Dave Manson, or you can't have, like, Theron Fleury, like, surrounded by giant plants, or Curtis Joseph surrounded by giant flying eyeballs. I mean, everything has to be approved by the... Players Association. It wasn't like that 30 years ago, 25 years ago. As long as the check cleared, I think they were okay with it. Now they have way more control. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. Although the creative license you have with pulling back retros, especially when you own the design, I mean, it seems to me like you should be able to just go flat out. Hey, we did this before. We should do it again. Although... It wasn't an upper deck design, it was a FLIR design, but I thought as part of them acquiring them, wouldn't you get the likeness rights to all of their designs as well? Get the design rights, but you don't, you can't necessarily use, you can't do what you used to do. Like if you look at like those Fanimation cards from the 90s, and now when they do Fanimation cards, they just literally take a photo of a player and they superimpose them in front of a cartoony backdrop and it's like, it's a Jonathan Taves Fanimation card. It's like, well, no, it's a photo of Taves superimposed in front of a comic book background. That's Not like the same. Kind of uh, like what Panini does with the Kaboom cards or the downtown yeah. ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's because the players have to approve everything. I'll tell you this right now. I could talk about this because this is uh, well, well, well under the bridge. But maybe about Oh, I want to say this was right around the time EPAC came out, like so 15, 16 season. My girlfriend at the time actually did some illustrations for Upper Deck. And like she drew a picture of Gretzky and they had to get it approved by Gretzky. And this was just for an illustration that they were using on social media. And then she did another drawing. Did um, he approve it? Yeah, it was approved, but it took a long time. The NHL had to approve it. The NHLPA had to approve it. And Wayne Gretzky had to approve it. So, like, she drew this thing for, like, Thanksgiving. It didn't actually get used until, like, Father's Day, I think. <laughs> they had to change the text on it. And then, like, another one, she drew a picture. It was supposed to be somebody playing table hockey. But it was obviously meant to be Zidane Chara Because it was, like, this really tall hockey player on, like, his knees playing a table hockey game. I forgot what the punchline was, but like the PA had to approve it. And then they said to her, you know, get rid of the Bruins logo. So it's not Chara, if I'm remembering correctly. But they kind of just told her, look, don't make anybody look like anybody because then it has to be approved and they have to like it. And if they don't like it, then that's just going to delay it. Versus if you just draw generic hockey players, you know, then that's okay. Everything's got to be approved. Yeah, it's stupid, but it makes sense, I guess. You're never going to get another Mel Bridgman card from 8283 Opeachy. That's never going to happen again in a million years. True. You're never going to get that. You're never going to get an 8788 uh, Glenn Hanlon. You're never going to get a, uh, well, you got a 1011 Brian Pitton. Go figure. Go figure that one out. The lettuce head card? 
the lettuce head card. Yes. And if yes. you have no idea what I'm talking about, I will link to my Brian Pitton video where I make fun of the Brian Pitton 1011 score set. It was the hot score rookie card. Yeah. Did you open all 16 of these boxes? I did. And so just want to run by really quick. Just so some of the insert sets that were in this, you had the retros, you had net deposits, intimidation nation, premium prospects, alloyance, Alon, precious metal gems, which obviously weren't in blaster boxes, John Belial, platinum portraits. They were in retail, but they had like super long odds, even in hobby. And there's probably a few other inserts, but yeah, whatever. What is I mean, Alon? So what they does were just, that mean? Like, I don't know, but they're just like clear they're ac- and they're clear acetate cards, right? Yeah. And they have like a picture of the COVID virus in the background. Something. It looks like a it looks like a, a helix type thing. Yeah. I think I saw like a, a mock-up of like an Ovechkin one, but I haven't seen one in person. I just don't want to know what a lawn means. Is it an abbreviation for something? Don't know. I will say that um and what's alloyance? Like alloy, like, like alloy. Like alloy? Yeah. Oh, alliance. A-L-L-O-Y, alliance. Yeah, it's alloyance, but it's a play on alliance because it shows two players that are on the same team. So it's like a, a alliance of the players, but it's an alloyance because it's metal. Okay, I but you it. know what? And you know what I call that? That what? is a annoyance. <laughs> okay, so alloyance <laughs> is a pretty lame name for an insert set. But I don't think anything will ever top Leather Larceny as the lamest insert name. There's been lots of dumb insert names. In yeah, that. and most of them were Panini. We covered that ad nauseum. Yeah, we did. We might have to come back to that. Actually, believe it or not, I got a Jake Evans autograph in one of my blaster boxes. So, yes, you can actually get autographs in retail. Nice. It's just going to be Jake Evans, you know, and... Did you get any of the platinum portraits? No. How about Jambalaya? Nope. I got a lot. And the other thing I didn't like is that I kept getting these prospects cards. And I don't understand, like, what's the point of making a 50-card prospect insert set that just parallels the rookies in the set? It's like, well, it's not a rookie card. I mean, it's of a rookie player. And it came out his rookie year. But the numbering's different, so it's not a rookie card. But it's just like, I'd rather just have the actual rookie card than an insert of a rookie player. I get to, I get really tired of that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got this Alexei Lafreniere, yay. But, oh, it, it's a prized prospect insert or whatever. It just, I, get, just get, I get tired of it. To me, that starts to become filler. I've said that I like to get inserts, and I think one insert per pack is cool. But I feel like a lot of these inserts just start to become filler and they're keeping you from finishing your set i would have rather finished a base set i know some people like intimidation nation so maybe i won't touch that you know maybe i won't make fun of that one but like we could have done without alliance or we could have done without premium prospects you know just give me give me the cards i need to make my actual set i think the premium prospect one is more of a throwback to the fact that fleer always had Fleer and Skybox both always had an insert set that was just the rookie cards. Right. I think that's probably what plays into that. I know there were parallels for all those, too. Did you get any of those? Or were they all just regular? Nah, the parallels were were hobby only. Okay. Oh, the only parallels I got were uh, the premium prospects had, like, a blue parallel. Yeah. And I got lots of those. You know, Intimidation Nation, even though I don't really care for them, they're actually kind of cool. They're, like... Also, like all of the see, cards... I like those because of the close-up shot, goalie shot. I thought yeah. those were cool because you could see them. They were they harken back to like the masks inserts where right. you could actually see the the graphic and the artwork on the players' masks as it's up close. Yeah, you know what? This is the opposite of this is the opposite of netcam because netcam should have just been called goalie ass because that's all you saw in the netcam was like here's Henrik Lundqvist's ass as he's trying to make a save right i mean that's what the the netcam cards were right so this is the opposite of netcam where you see the face the head the helmet of the goalie and and not his rear as he's like firing out a kick save or whatever i like those what Netcam. I like those netcam ones because they were different. It was like a different camera angle. 
You didn't usually get that angle except on like the re- weird occasional upper deck canvas card. And I like that when it was the weird occasional canvas type card. There needs oh, to be a moratorium. The cans on- were just an insert, insert from Panini, so. They need to they need to stop doing two things. They got to stop with the net cam type cards for a while. Let's just put like a two year moratorium on that, and then they got to stop with the um, the players coming onto the ice with the smoke and the lights. Oh, you don't like those? I know they didn't. They do a, they did an insert set called like introductions or grand introductions or something like that. Again, that was a panini set. Here we go. Yeah, I actually have this card on my desk, making yeah, an entrance. Making an entrance. Those were uh, from Score. Yeah. Upper see- Deck does that a lot on their photography on their base cards. Exactly. If you remember the Ryan Getzloff card from a couple years ago, it looked like everything was on. Looked like the building was on fire behind him. Like everything was all like lit up in the smoke and everything. It looked like the whole place was on fire. That's cool. But see, I, I just want them to be a little more selective about it. Like, we don't need every card to be like that, but maybe yeah, one I out of every like, hundred is like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what will happen, though? We'll get that. We're going to be like, oh, these are just boring. <laughs> we're like, we need more pictures of players with their dogs. And right. we'll, we'll find something else to complain about, I'm sure. Because we do. And that's okay. I'm going to say this right now. I like metal. A lot. I love no that. Ho- no hockey My favorite cards. kind of music. Yes, you are a metal head. You are a metal musician. Yes. So that makes this our second metal show. Our first one was with Brian Slagle. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is our second metal show. <laughs> no set of hockey cards that comes out today I'm going to be 100% happy with. That's just never going to happen. So that being said, I really like this set. And even despite the things that I've complained about, I like it. 30 bucks for a blaster box that made me happy. I was happy that I could find a bunch of them that try to piece together a set. I mean, I could give or take most of the inserts, you know, I've, I've traded some of the inserts away to get some of the retro inserts that I want or some of the short prints that I needed. So that's not so bad. It's a popular enough set that I was finding enough people to trade with. I know that they're going to come out with metal again next year and I will absolutely be collecting it, or I should say this year. They've already released the sell sheets for it, too. Yeah. Looks pretty good so far. Um, I'll take your word for it, because what I've seen on it, I'm like, I can't really tell the difference between the year before and this one. No, but that's okay. I still like it. It's like a continuation of the same thing. Hmm. It's almost like when they did Fleer Retro, and then they did, um, then they brought it back. It's like with the Fleer yes. Showcase. Fleer Showcase, right. Yeah, yeah. It kind of seemed like it was the same thing. And I don't think they were the exact same style. I think it might have been like one was one year and the next was the following year kind of thing. Or Retro was 12-13 and, and Showcase was McDavid's rookie year, 15-16. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And they had um, different designs in each one. But, I mean, those are still cool and everything, too. And I like these, too. I just... You know, I was like you. I saw the price tag on the boxes. I was like, 350 bucks. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, and it soured me on the whole deal. And you already know my feelings about retail for the most part. So you don't see me going and clearing shelves at Target and Walmart. Well, why I don't you don't reiterate, care about that. reiterate your so, feelings on retail? I just don't. I don't do it. Because just like your point of before is, yeah, you're going to get better cards than hobby. Well, yeah. Yeah, you are. And that's generally been my stance on it most of the time. Why should I go trying to chase a one out of 10,000 chance of getting this autograph card out of retail boxes when I can just have a one out of five chance out of a hobby box? And and I'm exaggerating on that, but that's kind of what it is. But, But to your point of... I'm chasing down a set and this is mathematically my best shot at putting together a set on my own without much help. Okay, fine. I can see that. Maybe not so much on metal because like you said, you bought 16 blaster boxes, you know, at 30 bucks a pop. I mean, you're, you're getting a lot, but at what point do you stop getting what you need and start duplicates, triplicates, the same inserts again, like you were saying, you were getting, you know, if you open one box and you got 
numbers one, two, three, four, and five of the inserts. You open the next box, and number one was in there. You know you were getting two, three, four, and five. So obviously there's an issue with the collation when it comes to those types of things. So there's going to be a break-even point where you're not getting the ones you need anymore, and there's that one rare box that was part of the case that somebody else bought before you. And so they got all the cards that you need and you're short. So you got to figure out who out there in the world has them and figure out how to trade and everything. And I know that's part of the game and all, you know, to me, I would just rather get as much bang for my buck as I can. But when you're on a limited budget and you're not out there looking to spend 300 bucks, whether it's on retail or anything else, I'm just not going to do it. And I've already seen that at least from Walmart standpoint, their prices on boxes have gone up. And I don't know if it's them trying to capitalize on something or if they're trying to even the score out to all the flippers that came and wiped out their shelves. It's one or the other. Because I know they're not getting directives from from up above because the manufacturers aren't the ones that are setting the price. So it's got to be someone somewhere along the line saying, hey, we're selling these for 20 bucks." People are selling them out there in the world for 40. So why don't we just sell them for 40? Okay, right. great. Let's do that. And I think things have started to go like that. Cause what I see hanger boxes the other day that are 12 or 13 bucks. Normally mm-hmm. hanger boxes were 30 bucks. What, what set? Ah, it was some basketball thing. Okay. But still it was just a regular hanger box. Mm-hmm. Like what? This is insanity. I don't know if Target does the same thing because my targets, the two targets I have near me, neither of them have sports cards anymore. Now, Magic and Pokemon and stuff, you can get that all day. But they don't have sports cards are pretty much wiped out on the shelves from, from everything. So I haven't seen that stuff in a retail store in quite a while around here. But I also don't stand in line out in front of these in the two-degree weather at 4 o'clock in the morning waiting for some vendor to come and restock the shelves either so that's probably why i'm missing out but you know uh, it's funny i was reminded now when you said pokemon and magic that the altercation that broke out was over pokemon cards when the guys tried to uh like rob the one guy in the target parking lot and he, he drew out a gun and chased him off for whatever it was over pokemon cards not hockey cards even though hockey has fighting on the yeah. ice I don't think we'd fight off the ice over cards. Pokemon, basketball, soccer, I don't give a crap what it is. It's stupid. Fighting over pieces of cardboard with pictures of ridiculous characters made up by some Japanese guy or a player of some sports team, it's not worth it. It's not. It's just dumb. What What's funny, though, because now I just remembered this, like thinking back a few months ago or, you know, over the, the, the spring and the summer, is I'd go to a different Target and they would move the sports cards. They'd move them from the front and then they'd be over by electronics or they'd be over in toys. And I'd ask and say, where are the sports cards? And like the eye rolls that I would get from the Target employees, like, oh, you're one of those, right? Like, like I could just tell, even if they didn't audibly exhale, I could tell they were exhaling on the inside, you know, like these guys again. That's exactly it, and and I've never understood the big draw and the desire to go after this. Look, we saw this at the National. You know, when we went to the National, and you'd walk around from table to table, and you'd see hobby boxes. Hobby boxes would be 70, 80, 90, 100, 120, 140, whatever they were. And then you'd see right next to them that same product as a blaster for also $70. So you'd have a $70 blaster box or a $90 hobby box. And I'm thinking, what is the draw to this? And it's just, that's what people went after. And I'll, I'll tell you, all of the folks that jumped into the hobby during this time frame, this is all they knew. They didn't know anything about hobby boxes. Mm-mm. They just knew that people were buying these blasters Mm-hmm. from retail stores so they must be the hot thing so retail blasters are hot so every hobby dealer that decided i'm not selling hobby so i better go out there and buy retail and try to sell retail too now you create this 
weird inflated market for a retail product when again it, it still goes back to the point that i've made time and time again for years about retail for the most part retail is not going to get you anything that's going to make you walk out of there and feel good about yourself yes it's not and yes I, d- I don't get it it's like I'm going to spend 50 bucks on this blaster and open up my eight packs with only five cards a pack when I could have bought Hobby where it had 20 packs with eight cards in a pack. So I got more cards and I have better shots at something else. Instead, I'm going to buy this thing that might have one hit in it if I'm lucky. And then I walk away going, wow, I just got all these base cards and I just spent 50 bucks for all these base cards. And half these guys, they don't even want the base cards. These are the same guys that go into the hobby shops, buy a box, open it on the counter, keep the four hits, and leave the rest on the counter. And say, like, I don't care about those and I don't want them. So you want to pay a premium for a box that that's all that's in there is the crap that you left behind or threw into the garbage can at the National two years ago, three years ago? I remember that. Uh, that, that got in my craw. But... That's that's a different story. Throwing throwing cards in the garbage can, but I mean, you understand my point. It's like yes. you, I don't know. You just I feel dirty buying retail. As I've said in the past, blaster boxes, retail packs, those are the empty calories of card collecting. At the time, they feel good, and you're like, yeah, I'm opening cards. This is fun. They and feel then, good because you're opening the cards, and you may not have opened cards for a while. All the people that their biggest complaint, we can't find cards on shelves. So, yeah, sure, if you give them an opportunity that here's a box of cards. Well, I'm buying it. This is the greatest thing ever because I haven't seen cards in six months. Terrific. Wonderful. No, wait, wait, wait. Go back five, six, seven years, like when I was building Opeachy sets, right? And I'd say, oh, maybe I'll buy a, a blaster box of Opeachy because I'm building Opeachy this year. And I'd buy it and I'd open it and I'd be like, eh, you know, I spent 20 bucks on this. And if I had spent maybe... 60 i would have gotten three times as many packs and the packs would have been better right like i bought four of these and i got a bunch of panel panel box cards that's really the only interesting thing out of all these and i could have spent the same amount on a hobby box and got like a chance at an autograph and maybe a manufactured patch a bunch of inserts and way more short prints yes no that's the one thing that that's the one thing that doesn't change the uh amount of short prints in a set like opg it's one, one in every two, two packs one every two yeah it's either uh, retro um, or, or in uh, uh upper deck series one series two young guns every one in every four packs so that doesn't change because for a while i would look and i'd say oh you know what maybe i'm just going to build this set with blasters right and that's what i did when upper deck series one came out right around Christmas time last year and everybody wanted an Alexei Lafreniere rookie card and the boxes were selling for 180 if I remember correctly it was something nuts right I mean I, I don't even remember now but I was buying blaster boxes and I was buying mega boxes and did not get one damn Lafreniere in all the boxes that I bought I have like the worst luck didn't pull a Lafreniere in Series 1, didn't pull a Caprice off in Series 2, never pulled a uh, McDavid back in 15-16, and I bought a ton of upper deck that year. The I pulled a Michael, is, but not a McDavid. Same. When I looked at it and I said, well, I know I want to build upper deck Series 1. So then I'm like, well, am I going to spend $180 on a hobby box? Or am I going to buy a couple of blaster boxes and try to put together a set that way? Because really all I care about are the base cards and the uh, young guns. Don't care about the other cards. The other inserts don't really care. Jersey cards, you know how I feel about those. All the other unnecessary inserts, mm, don't really need them. Uh, I mean, Dazzlers was nice, but... But if that's your goal, that's fine. Right. And, and that's so- your way to get more base cards that way. But going back to my point from before and the point that you made about the metal, at what point does it become no longer cost effective to do that because you just keep getting doubles and the bad collation. How many blasters are in a case? Six, nine, something like that. So at what point 
are you now getting the same blaster over and over right. and over again? Or it's been searched through and you might get four blasters in a row that have the exact same cards in them. Now you're going to have all these doubles. At least with a hobby box in the last... Other than extended series, I will say this. Other than extended series this past year, I have not gotten duplicates in an upper deck hobby box Mm. in many years. Mm. In extended series, though, that's different. But within a regular upper deck hobby box, I have not. And for the most part, a couple hobby boxes, you got the base set, you know, right. at least for at least for series one or two or whatever, you got to chase the young guns eventually. But you flip that over to like Opichi, as long as you get boxes out of the same case, generally won't get that many duplicates either. Mm-hmm. You'll get some, but you probably won't get as many. Because there'll be a few cards, maybe 20 or so, in every... So let's say, because I've done this before, the last few years, you get maybe three or four boxes of Opichi from the same case. Mm-hmm. Each box will have about 20 cards or so that are duplicates of the previous box. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them will be different. Right. And then the next box will probably have about 20 of the one previous and maybe 10 of the first one. Mm-hmm. So the more boxes you buy, the less, the more duplicates you're getting. Right. But if you keep them within the same case, you can minimize that with the number of boxes. Now, right. if it's just 300 boxes sitting on a shelf and you're just randomly picking, you have no clue. You have, right. you have no idea what you're getting and it's just the crapshoot that you normally would. But your luck runs out on retail way quicker than it does on hobby, I think. Yes, absolutely. That's part of the problem. Because when I bought all those blasters, I kept getting a lot of the same cards. Yeah. I would get the same base cards. I'd open, don't even get me started on fat packs. Those were those were even worse. I'd get fat packs that had identical cards except for the one or two short prints that were in the fat pack. Oh, this has a young gun. Oh, this has a dazzler. But otherwise, it's the same 30 other cards were identical or I'd open blaster boxes and two blaster boxes would have the identical base cards. Now upper deck admitted they had collation problems from the past year, but you're right. You know, you're better off if you buy three hobby boxes of something, it's going to minimize and you buy them at the same time. And they're, you're pretty sure they're from the same case. You're going to minimize your doubles. I guess what the, the point I'm getting at is because I'm a set builder normally like if we weren't having these crazy pandemic driven prices, I would buy hobby boxes. I'd say, you know what? Hobby boxes, you know, you spend what? 60 on a hobby box or 20, 20 and 20 on three blaster boxes, right? And you know that if you spend 60 or let's say you spend 80 for a hobby box or 80 on four blaster boxes, you know that the hobby box is gonna be better. You're gonna get better inserts you're going to have better collation. You're going to have a way better chance of getting some of the harder to get hits, like an autograph or a jersey card or whatever. But I, and I would normally do that. But then once they started going into these ridiculous prices, just getting inflated to you know uh, upper deck series one or remember upper deck series two was like you know was also selling for like isn't like 150 or 60 a box. And you had 160 out the door on one, and then you had 160 out the door on two, and then it was 140 on extended. Right. All of those have slowly come back down a little bit, but I think series one is still up there. But then I figured, well, okay, you know what? If I was spending the same amount of money and getting roughly the same amount of cards, but getting better inserts and whatnot, yeah, I'd go hobby. But because hobby was getting ridiculous, then I just decided to go retail. So I went retail with Series 1. I went retail with Series 2. Extended Series, you and I both found those at the National for like 80 bucks a box, and I just bought three boxes there. Was pretty much done with that then. Um, I mean, I still need some young guns, but I'll pick them up. And then Metal, I bought retail. And if things continue the same, that's just going to be my strategy because... I'm going to just focus on like my two sets that I want to build by retail packs. But it's relative, you know, I mean, you're talking before, you know, for many, many years, blasters were 1999. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just what they were. That's what everybody was used to. So you spend yes. 20 bucks on a blaster in your example, 20 bucks on a blaster, you buy four blasters or 80 bucks on a hobby, you're better off buying hobby. Absolutely. Well, guess what? They're no longer 20. Now they're 30. Mm-hmm. So you buy four boxes this time, you're spending 120 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? For an extra 20 bucks, you could buy a box of hobby mm. in those examples. Except for when it came to metal. Because metal was, and maybe this is me being naive, but I thought for sure that metal was not going to be a super high premium set. I thought metal was going to be more of a middle of the road kind of, here's a fun set with all sorts of things to chase and happy fun time, right? Mm -hmm. But then the box streets and it's 350 bucks well you know now they're about 260 270 right still 270 for a happy fun product i wasn't trying to say this was going to be like mvp level or opg you know the base opg set level Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i certainly didn't expect it to be 350 i mean 350 to me that's that's like black diamond box right and if i'm gonna spend if I'm going to spend three fifty, might as well buy a box of Black Diamond. Get my four cards and hope I don't get burned. Know that you'll you get know? an autograph. Know that you'll get a a jersey card. Yeah, know that you'll get not? a rookie card, and know that you'll get like a limited base card. Yeah, maybe I'll yeah. get one of the Diamond cards. Why not? You know, right? Shoot for it. Instead, you know, being a set builder, am I going to spend three hundred fifty bucks on a box that I'm going to get two thirds of the base set? Maybe a fourth if that of the short prints and just a bunch of other cards that may look cool and everything but really what use do i have for them especially if i'm not building a master set of all of the inserts and everything else because that would be a tremendous undertaking because we live in this world where everybody thinks that they need to get back what they spent so if you're spending 350 bucks on a box and you have no clue what you just bought and you're like, wow, I got I spent 350 on this. I got to make that money back. So now here's a bunch of inserts that should be a buck or two that I'm trying to sell for 15 to 20 dollars each to mm-hmm. make back my 350. Mm-hmm. The math doesn't work on that because that's no, you're not going to get that. Well, okay, so basically now, so you have the online retailers that specialize in cards, you know, the Steel City Sports and the DA Card World and and Blowout and whatnot. Now they're... Your bigger ones, yeah. They're inflating the box prices. And then we're having this happen with the retail as well. I mean, unless flippers come in and buy it. I haven't really seen this with hockey. I've been able to find a lot of hockey on the shelves. So thankfully, hockey's still a little insulated from this whole flip culture where someone's going to buy a, a blaster for 20 and try to sell it for 50. I mean, I do see blasters. But remember, on... you live in Chicago. No one cares about hockey in Chicago. This is true. I live in the suburbs. People still care about hockey out here. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking the other day about how when we were kids, we'd buy packs of cards for 50 cents or a dollar. And we might pull a card that was a $5 card and we might sell it for $5 to a classmate. Maybe get three bucks for it. Maybe you'd sell it to somebody at the shop, like the the owner of, of the shop. And, you know, they'd say, oh, you got a Lindros. I'll give you 10 for that right now. And then you think, eh, I got one already. Sure. Here you go. Those days are gone oh, because yeah. the buy-in is expensive. Then it's almost like the buy-in almost wasn't so expensive when you had someone like Alexei Lafreniere selling for a couple hundred bucks before he even played an NHL game. But then it's like everybody else caught on and said, well, wait a minute. If somebody's buying my box of Series 1 for 80 bucks, pulling a Lafreniere and selling it for $400, well, then I should sell this box for $400 or $300 and then you're buying the potential to get this $400 card. It's just it's like it's like everybody everybody along that food chain feels like they need to get a bigger piece. Whereas, you know, 30 years ago, it was like the card companies sold the cards to the distributors, they sold them to the retailers, the retailers sold them to the kids and the collectors, and then, you know, if you made money in the aftermarket on the cards that you pulled, that was good. 
But now they look at this and they say, hey, this card has the potential to sell for $300. We're just going to raise the prices all along that chain. And I, I kind of resent that. I get that there's a supply and demand, but these are collectibles. This isn't gasoline, a necessity. I don't want to come across as, you know, we're trying to be those, all these investors, all these newbies in the hobby, all these flippers, all this. We're not trying to be the get off my lawn guys. No. I think the, the bigger point that we're trying to make is the old days are gone and they're not coming back anytime soon. So... But it felt either, that way for a little bit, though. It felt it, that way for a little bit, actually. You think so? With the retail flipping, yes, I think, think so. And think also with the increased demand for cards because of the pandemic, I also felt that way as well. Because all of a sudden there were all these new collectors. Now a card that might be a $10 card is now a $40 card. So then oh, yeah, I had no, more no, incentives. No. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, that's not what I meant. I know what you're getting at. Like the old days as in like it's 1991 all over again. I totally get that. What I meant is, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, I could buy a blaster box for 20 bucks. I could buy a fat pack for 599. Right. I could buy a hobby box for 80 bucks. I could right. do this. I could do that. So that, that's what I'm talking about because okay. those days are no longer gone because now we do have this more focused on, hey, yeah, this is still a hobby for all of us that have been in this hobby for as long as we have. And maybe there's a few new people that jumped in that are interested in the hobby portion of of this side of it, but they're marketing it as it's a, dare I say, investment. investment. Yes, we don't want to use that word because that's a controversial word to use with sport cards because, I mean, look, Sports cards are a gamble, right? You're gambling. You're trying to see if you what you can hit. It's like you're spinning the roulette wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, come on, whatever number it is you're looking for. And that's that's what you're doing. I get that. But at the same time, when you bet on something, there's regulating going on with some mm -hmm. of that stuff. Investments, there's regulation. There's no regulation on sports cards. No. There's not. It's all self-regulated. The hobby has to regulate it on its own. The hobby has to be its own watchdog when it comes to this kind of stuff. And you have two different ways of thinking. You have the hobby way of thinking and you have the investment way of thinking. Do you want to collect for fun? Do you want to have an awesome collection that you can look at and is really cool and brings back lots of memories and you like to look at the cards and read the backs of the cards and do this and do that and you know put them in a book and see how many you can get? Or do you want to be the guy or girl or whatever that... All I'm looking for is, hey, I got this card. How much is it worth? Hey, I got this card. How much is it worth? Hey, I got this card. I want to flip it. I bought this for 50 cents. I'm going to sell it for a dollar. I bought this for a thousand dollars. I'm going to sell it for ten thousand dollars. You know, I, I got to get every card in my collection graded because it's not really a collection. I'm just looking to sell it. You know, that's a totally different thing. And, you know, the, the supply and demand, we bring that up all the time, the supply and demand thing. That's what dictates what the price is. And right now we're in a market where 350 bucks for a new product that's going to be swiped up by, dare I say, 40% of the buyers have no effing clue what they're buying. They're only buying it because it's got a picture of Alexei Lafreniere on it and they know that he's the hot stuff right now. <clears throat> I mean, come on. That takes me out of the picture because I'm just like, you know what? I'll pass. And yeah, I passed. And that came out when? September? Mm -hmm. And here it is, November. And I still haven't bought a box of it. And I'm looking and it's down to 260 So right there, it's gone down 80 bucks mm -hmm. in price by just waiting a couple months. Now, is it going to go down anymore? I don't know. But I'm going to play that bet. And I'm going to hope it does. And maybe we'll get to that point. And if we do, then great. See, like things that I was excited about, I I loved Allure the year it came out. Mm -hmm. Allure, I thought Allure was awesome. And then Allure came out this year, and people were selling Allure for $180. And I was like, you people are nuts. You're absolutely freaking nuts. 
because when I bought Allure, the first year it came out, I didn't pay more than $90 for a box of Allure. And I bought it within two weeks of it releasing. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's $130 in most retail outlets. The 2021 Allure. Because they've already announced that 2122 Allure is going to be coming out. So, I mean, we have all these late releases, which I think is helping push some of the pricing down. But at the same time, it's every time something turns to release. You know, if you look at pre-sale prices for 21, 22 releases that are going to be coming out, with the exception of Opeachy and MVP, I mean, there's some crazy numbers on some of this stuff. And I might be stuck with just those this year. <laughs> Who knows? You know, unless I'm able to find some stuff on the back end after the fact. But as far as buying like fresh product off the shelf, I don't know. I've been, you know, amongst other things, like we talked in the beginning, we've had stuff going on, but I've been like seriously rethinking my collection and like what I've been doing with it and, you know, acquiring and things like that. I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it, but we'll see. But I can tell you, I'm not buying $350 boxes. I'm not buying $250 boxes. I'm probably not going to be buying $150 boxes either. And if that means I'm priced out of the market completely, so be it. I won't be priced out of MVP, and I won't be priced out of OPG. I can tell you that. Well, the nice thing. Series 1, I might be. Series 2, probably, definitely. If there's an extended this year, I don't know. We'll see. Because extended tended to drop in price pretty quickly. Once people realized the, the young guns that were in that were less than stellar <laughs> but there's a lot of rookies that are going to be in this upcoming class of young guns in series one and series two that are going to garner a lot of attention especially since a lot of them took the ice for the first part of the season so yeah we'll see we'll see how that dictates price going forward but we got a little while to wait because series one is still on the shelf otherwise we would have it in our hands probably right this second yeah, and the nice thing about collecting collecting cards is that you'll always find a way to spend your money. If the new product is too expensive, maybe you'll focus on something older. Uh, or maybe you change your focus. I mean, I remember like being really broke and going to a card show, going to that uh, Chicago Sports Spectacular. You know, this was maybe eight, nine years ago. I'm thinking back like when I was a grad student working on my master's degree and not having a lot of money. And I go to the show for one day and I have like a hundred bucks on me and I'd really be able to stretch that hundred bucks. Now that's the show. And that's kind of a special environment because you're going to have quarter boxes and you're going to have people selling junk wax, old retail, whatever. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is that you'll always find something that you like. It might not be what you want. I mean, you know what, if it was up to me, I would have bought a case of skybox metal. Like that was actually on my mind. I was like, I was a like, case. Well, this is before I knew what the price was going to be. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. when I was thinking they were going to be about 150 bucks a box. When I was, I was thinking just, it was going to be like I was just making a, sure you said a case. A case. Yes, yeah. a case because okay. I wanted to build a big set. I wanted to build, you know, base set, get all the rookies and short prints, get all the cool sure. inserts and parallels, you know. I wanted to do that. I mean, I bought Absolutely. a case of Opeachy one year and I had a lot of fun opening it and it was a set that I really liked and I would have done that with this set, but at 350 a box wasn't happening. If it was like 100 ish a box, if it was priced more like platinum, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I could do this. You know, I could jump in with both feet and just say, yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of money on this set, but I'm probably going to get a case hit. You know, you buy a case, you're going to get whatever is like the really, whatever cards there are long odds of getting, you're probably going to get one of them in there, right? And, and, and just to give you an idea right now, yep, cases of metal. 2200 roughly for that's down boxes? from where it was because it was close to 3000 before that's an eight box case eight box there's yeah. only eight yeah but what i'm saying is that you'll always find a way to spend your money you'll always find something like you said uh, collect what you want right collect what you like yeah, yeah. i Absolutely. mean that's the thing that's why it's a hobby and it's not 
let's chase the next big thing so we can see how much money we can capitalize on. It's right. a hobby. If you have discretionary income to spend on it, sure. But don't get yourself in a position where you're wearing flip-flops and socks standing outside of the local Target because you've maxed out five credit cards and you've got a sixth one to try to compensate for the ones that you maxed out. It's not a hobby. That's silly. It's going to put you in a position where you're not going to want to be in it. And it's, it's just dumb. Now, you mentioned Opeachy Platinum. Now, that I might get on board with because I've actually found a place with them for 100 bucks. Mm. That I might get on board with because I like Platinum. My wife likes Platinum. That's one of her favorite releases every year. And you get one hard-signed autograph in a box. Mm. So... I can maybe get on board with that. Plus, the parallels are really nice this year. I don't know if you saw any of them, but they have some really, really cool parallels, like the cosmic ones. Mm-hmm. And I've seen seen some other ones that are really cool. So, but we can talk about that set another day. Yeah, I might pick up a box at the show this upcoming weekend. Yeah, if we're there, that's what I'm going to look for. See how they have them priced out. So we'll see. All right. So anything else you want to say before we wrap this puppy up and call it a podcast? You know, no, I'm just glad to glad to be back and getting a show put together for people. I know we've been, I know you and I both get, I don't want to say pestered, but we get asked fairly no, frequently when's the next show coming out when's that's the next good. show coming out so that means I'm glad people, people are listening yeah i'm glad people are listening and they want to hear what's going on and everything else because you know we know there's many other podcasts out there that where you can get your information and we're glad you stick around and look for us we appreciate that yeah and we might not be the most timely podcast but i think you're trying to get breaking news you're probably not listening to a podcast anyways because those are pre-recorded and downloaded later on for listening but you're listening to us because maybe we say some things that are interesting or Hopefully funny we say something's interesting yeah. i don't know about funny but well, I think funny so. ironic not really funny haha yeah okay so thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast as always if you've enjoyed the show Be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, be sure to tell people that you know, and until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.